Now, God is always looking. He's looking for a person whom He can use for His service. And every Christian in this building, if you're saved, if you know that you, you receive Christ as your Lord and personal Savior, let me tell you this, that you can serve God. You've been hearing a series of sermons from, from Pastor White uh, since the beginning of the year uh, with regards to upgrading ourselves for God. And one of the areas that we can upgrade ourse- ourselves is in the area of service. Now, in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10 to 11, uh, you don't need to go there, but let me read to you a certain of Scripture. As every man hath received the gift, even so minister the same one to another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. If any man speak, let him speak as the oracles of God. If any man minister, let him do, do it as the ability which God giveth, that God in all things may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom be praised and dominion forever and ever Amen. Now, the Bible makes it very clear that we have received our gifts from God for two purposes. And number one, based upon that verse, is to serve others and, of course, to glorify God. So serving isn't really about us serving or giving attention or glory. It is for, the, for God to receive glory. Now, our God is always looking He's looking for a person whom he can use for his service. And every Christian in this building, if you're saved, if you know that you, you receive Christ as your Lord and personal Savior, let me tell you this, that you can serve God. You can serve God. But why do we only see a few Christians who willingly serve him? Because I think God is looking for people, people whom... He can, the Bible says, show himself strong in in the behalf of them whose heart is perfect toward him. Now tonight, let's let's make this message very personal. I want you to make this message very personal and ask ourselves, how can I be the person God uses in his service? And that's the title of our message this evening, The Person God Uses in his service and to answer that question we will learn about someone in the old testament whom god used in his service you already know it his name is joshua but before we continue let us all pray dear heavenly father we thank you for tonight we thank you for giving us the opportunity that we can come here once again And I know there are lots of churches that doesn't have an evening service, but you you gave us an opportunity to come here one more time for this day. And we thank you, Lord, that we can gather here. We can sing praises into your name. We can sit comfortably in this building. And uh, Lord, we come now into your throne of grace and ask for wisdom and ask for, for grace. Lord, help us to understand what you have for us in the message that we will be dealing with tonight. And I do ask that you would give us grace and understanding upon the power of the Holy Spirit that we will be able to live for you, wholly live for you, 
for your honor and glory. And we commit to you everything into your hands. In Christ's name, amen. Now, many of you, if not all of you, I just assume this, know Joshua. Joshua was born, of course, in Egypt, and he became Moses' right-hand man during the exodus and, uh, of course, desert wanderings. He was a fine, great commander, according to the the Bible. In the law-giving at Sinai, he was Moses' companion. And Joshua was one of the 12 spies as well, sent by Moses to survey the land. He and Caleb alone had the faith and courage to recommend to advance and take the land. And such a great man, right? If you look at his life, he is such a great man. But Joshua didn't become God's servant because of the qualities he had. And for sure, he had to learn all the qualities he had along, along the way, and he faithfully followed Moses and God. And I think he had these specific characteristics, why he became the person that God used for his service. And I believe if you and I will have these specific characteristics, we can also be the person that God will use in his service. And so what are these specific characteristics? Well, first of all, we have to understand that we need to be people of faith. If you are, you know, jotting down or writing your notes, that's the first, uh, that's the first thing that we should, we should learn. First uh, characteristic, we need to be people of faith. And the first one, people of faith when facing conflicts. And for that, let's turn to Exodus chapter 17. We're not going to be reading the whole chapter, but I'll just want to want to point out some, some truths here. Exodus chapter 17. And this is the first battle that they, they faced uh, when they went out from, from Egypt and they, they wandered in the wilderness. They're going towards the promised land that God promised to them. But look with me in verse, verse 8. Then came Amalek and fought with Israel in Rephidim and Moses said unto Joshua choose us one man uh, choose us out men and go out fight with Amalek tomorrow uh, tomorrow I will stand on the top of the hill with the rod of God in my in mine hand so Joshua did as Moses had said to him and fought with Amalek and Moses Aaron and Hur went up to the top of the hill. Now, we must understand the situation here, that when the Israelites fought the Amalekites in the battle at Rephidim, it wasn't with the strong, trained, and powerful army. Well, in fact, it was people who had been slaves for all their lives. They went out from Egypt with a strong and mighty hand of God, Then God led them into the wilderness. And they were traveling through the lands of fierce, fighting people. And if you compare that to them, they're they're basically powerless. 
They traveled with women, children, herds, and all their possessions. And logically speaking, they should, not, they should have not won that battle. But in verse 10, we see that Joshua did as Moses has said to him and fought with Amalek. And, that's a, for, and for me, as I see that, that's a manifestation of his faith in God in times of, of conflict. And he believed that God would fight for, for them. You know, he witnessed the fall of Pharaoh and his armies. He witnessed God's leading when he saw the pillar of, pillar of cloud during the day and the pillar of cloud uh, by night. He witnessed God's provision of manna, quails, and water. So when this conflict arose, he never hesitated to, on God to deliver them and gave them victory over the Amalekites. And God's people ought to have faith when facing conflicts. Now, there are, lots of, uh, there are a lot of conflicts in our lives as Christians, right? Um, maybe, yes, we don't have the Amalekites. Uh, I'm not sure if you, you are facing Amalekites today. For sure, I'm very sure no one of you here faced the Amalekites. We don't have the Amalekites to face in battle. But we face Satan, we face the world, and we face, of course, our sinful flesh. And these three often create conflicts in our lives as Christians. And these three make sure that we are always defeated in our Christian lives. And let me tell you tonight that that's not the will of God for us. If you're here today, if you're saved, and you're living a defeated life, that's not God's will for your life. Because God gave us already the victory. God gave us the victory. And of course, through Jesus Christ, He gave us the victory. And let me tell you and remind you of 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 55. It says, O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The sting of sin is death, and the strength of the sin is the law. But thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. And that is the promise of God for us. God gave us victory, and it is through the person of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ already conquered Satan. Jesus Christ already conquered the world. He gave us the power to win over sinful flesh. And there's no reason for us to be defeated during conflict. And so the person God uses in His service is someone who has faith when facing conflicts. But not only that, we need to be people of faith when facing conflicts, but we need also to be people People of faith when facing opposition. And for that, let's go to Numbers chapter 13. Numbers 13. And again, this is a story that we're very familiar with, actually chapter 13 and 14. Uh, You'll know the story here. Moses sent out 12 spies, 12 spies, and uh, 
what happened is they, they go, went out to go to the promised land to investigate the land. They gave them, of course, we all know they gave the 12 spies back a report to Moses. Then 10 spies, of course, brought evil reports and persuaded the children of Israel to unbelief. And that is very sad. They just witnessed, they witnessed the parting of the Red Sea, how God lead them along the way. And of course, they how God fed them in the wilderness, how God gave them water in the wilderness. And it's so amazing thing that God gave to them. But of course, now God told them to conquer the land, to take the land. Ten spies said that we cannot take it. It's too hard for us. People there are very big. Cities there are very fortified. But Joshua and Caleb brought good reports and believed that God will give the land to them. And let's read verses 6 to 9 of chapter 14, Numbers chapter 14, verses 6 to 9. The Bible says, And Joshua the son of Nun, and Caleb the son of Jephunneh, which were of them that searched the land, rent their clothes. And this is where their reaction, because of the murmuring of the people. In verse 7, And they spake unto all the company of the children of Israel, saying, The land which we pass through to search it is an exceeding good land. If the Lord delight in us, then he will bring us into this land and give it to give it give it us and land a land which floweth with milk and honey only rebel not ye against the lord neither fear ye the people of the land for they are bread for us their defense is departed from them and the lord is with us fear them not you know, despite great oppositions, now 10, ten spies and, and majority of the congregation of Israel voted to go back to, uh, to, uh, to Egypt, to go back to Egypt and not to take the land. And two people, and of course, I think Moses is with them, with them and, and some of the uh, few good men during that time. Despite of great opposition, Joshua and Caleb Put their faith in God. And Christians should be people of faith when facing oppositions as well. We as God's people ought to realize that we are engaged in a war with the devil. We are always in constant battle with the devil. There's always oppositions in, in our Christian lives. Nehemiah faced fierce opposition so that... He, he can never accomplish what God hath called him to do. But God protected him and allowed him and, and the people to finish rebuilding the wall of Jerusalem in a miraculous period of time. And Nehemiah had faith in God to accomplish his purpose despite opposition. John the Baptist. John the Baptist faced tremendous opposition. He was preaching the truth, but the Pharisees kept trying to discredit him and dissuade people from listening to him. 
But he kept preaching the truth by faith, despite opposition. These examples can be true for us Christians today. Satan will prevent us from serving the Lord and living our lives for him. People will disagree with your faith in God and his word. But the Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 13, Watch ye, stand fast in faith, quit you like men, be strong. And so therefore we need to be reminded ourselves that in order for us to be a servant of God, to be a person that God uses in his service, we need to be a people of faith when facing conflict, when facing opposition, and of course, the third one, people of faith when facing the impossible. And for that, let's go to Joshua chapter 6. Joshua chapter 6. And a lot of you are very familiar with this passage because this is part of our Sunday school. If you go to Sunday school always, and I encourage you to go in Sunday school 10 o'clock. Joshua chapter 6. And this is where... Israelites now facing a great structure, the city of and the wall of Jericho is so high and so vast that for them it is impossible to conquer that land. If you were there, I bet, I, I'm not a, I don't bet, but I bet that you will feel small too when you're there facing the walls of Jericho. I mean, it's so big. And in the eyes of men, the Israelites' victory over Jericho was impossible. Was impossible. But we already know that God brought victory for them. Now, well, of course, it's easy. It's easy for us to say, to say things like that in hindsight, right? Because we see them, you know, happened already. But putting ourselves back then, as what I've said, it would be impossible to defeat the city of Jericho. Now, it's even more difficult to believe that they can conquer the city when part of God's command, part of God's command was just go around the city. Once for six days, seven times for seven days. Well, of course, we, we, know, we know what happened. Nevertheless, Joshua and the children of Israel obeyed God's command. They had faith, even when facing the impossible. That is impossible. And in verse 20, chapter 6, you're there, in verse 20, So the people shouted when the priests blew with the trumpets. And it came to pass when the people heard the sound of the trumpet, and the people shouted with a great shout that the wall fell down flat. So that the people went up into the city, every man straight before him, and they took the city. After, in verse 20, after that the priest blew the, trump, the trumpet, they shouted with a great shout, and the walls fell flat on the ground. And the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 30, By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they were compassed about seven days. In the following 
in the following God, uh, in following God and serving Him, we need faith. We need faith. And God, God gave and entrusted the Great Commission to us, right? To His church, to us, to His people. Now, talking about the impossible Great Commission, I tell you, that is impossible. But with God, nothing is impossible. And look at the, these missionaries. The, these are just you know, a few of the examples of people who gave their lives to reach out. You know, every, every nation, every tribe, every tongue, they went there to, to proclaim the gospel. And we can see, as we see from these pictures, that the Great Commission, it can, be done, it can be done. But, of course, it is through God's power. You know, if thinking of that, do you have in mind right now things that are impossible? If it's, you're thinking that it's, there are things that is impossible to you, maybe a physical condition, right? Physical condition, you've been in that condition for many years. But it seems impossible for you to heal. Maybe a broken relationship. A broken relationship that seems impossible to reconcile. And you've been praying for that persistently, and it seems that really it's impossible for you to reconcile with that person. Or maybe a loved one who is not saved. And you've been praying for him or her for a long time, and it seems impossible for him or her to get saved. Maybe your schedule at work. You've been wanting to have a day off on weekends and even Sundays so that you can attend the church more often. But it seems impossible for you to have, to have the Sunday off. Now, I have my own impossible situations too. But you see, God requires us to have faith in Him. And nowadays, it is uncommon to believe that God would make the impossible possible. Well, it seems that the things that we know that is impossible, it's only just a Bible stories. And maybe it's time now to see that they are not just stories. They are a manifestation of God's power who God... Through God, they've won the impossibles, right? Because sometimes if we see that it's just a mere stories, sometimes it doesn't, you know, there's no impact in our lives. But you see, the God that they served back then is still the God that we serve today. And the God who does the impossible back then is still the God who do the, the, does the impossible today. And so, because people... People, it seems that for them, God, for, for them, it seems that God's people today want to operate in a logical way. But of course, God does not operate in our logic, right? And even our ways. He doesn't operate in our ways. The Bible says in Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways. My ways, says the, saith the Lord. Now you see, the walls were not really a problem. If you look at that perspective, 
if we know that God can do the impossible, the walls really was not, was, were not a problem. Neither your situation is a problem. You know what is the problem? We are the problem. We are really the problem. We always are. God is all-powerful to do whatever He chooses. But He desires that we act in obedient faith. Obedient faith in our job, uh, obedient faith is our job, and victories in our life is His job. He gives the victory. So we've learned in the first year that we need to be people of faith. When we face oppositions, when we face conflicts, and we face uh, when we are facing the impossible. But the second would be, we need to be a people will train. People will train. Not only we need to be people of faith, but we need to be people will train. Train, first one, to worship God's way. Now, a lot of things nowadays, they think that they worship God's ways. Now, let's go to Exodus for that. Let's go to Exodus chapter 24. Exodus chapter 24, and I'll be reading verses 12 and 13. Exodus chapter 24, 12 and 13. The Bible says, And the Lord said unto Moses, Come up to me into the mount, and be there. And I will give thee tablets of stone, and the law, and commandments, which I have written that thou mayest teach them. And look at what happened in verse 13. And Moses rose up, and his minister Joshua, and Moses went up into the mount of God. Now it's very interesting to note that when God told Moses to go up to the mountain, Moses brought Joshua with him. Moses trained Joshua well on how to worship God based on the commandments of the Lord that, God, that he gave to Moses. And this is a very important principle to remember. God has his standards when we come to worship him. We can't just come to him to worship based on what we want. When Nadab and Abihu offered strange fire, and that is in, 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 the, I think in the, the book of Numbers, or if not in the book of Leviticus. In other words, something, they offered strange fire, something that God never commanded them to do, and something that it's not God's way to worship Him. And they, but still, they offered strange fire unto the Lord, and look what happened. God killed them. God killed them. And so we need to, to be people well-trained to worship God's way. And I will not go into the detail of this, especially nowadays, but we have to be very careful in doing things to worship God. We need to be people well-trained to worship God's way. But not only that, we need to be people well-trained, trained to have the right spirit. Trained to have the right spirit. And for that, let's go to Numbers chapter 27. Numbers 27. 
Let's start with verse 15. And Moses spake unto the Lord, saying, Let the Lord, the God of, the God of spirits of all flesh, set a man over the congregation, which may go out before them, and which may go in before them, and which may lead them out, and which may bring them in, that the congregation of the Lord be not a sheep which have no shepherd. And the Lord said unto Moses, Take thee, Joshua, the son of Nun, a man in whom is the Spirit, and lay thine hand upon them. Now, do you know what uh, captivates me about this verse? Because God told Moses, Joshua is a man of whom is the Spirit. It's not Moses, it's not Aaron, or it's not anyone else who spoke this word, these words, to, but God himself. And Moses was looking for a man suitable for the job. Suitable for the job that he was, uh, that he was about to leave. And we know that uh, when, when the children of Israel crossed over Jordan, Moses was not there already. He died before they crossed over Jordan. And Moses is looking for a man that has the right spirit and can lead God's people. And I believe Joshua have lots to learn from Moses. But here's the thing. Joshua allowed God to work through him. He made himself available for the service of God. He didn't just barge into the leadership without a proper training. And God wants to use every Christian for his service too. He does. And if you desire to be used by God, and the question is, are you preparing and training yourself to be used by God? Joshua had the right spirit. He is the right person of the right job. Do you have the right spirit for God's service? And if not, be that person. But of course, the third one is that we need to be people well-trained, trained to follow God's men. And it's also very important as we follow the Lord. And for that, let's go to Joshua chapter 1. Joshua chapter 1, verse 1. Now after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spake unto Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' minister, saying, now for 40 years, Joshua was faithful in following the leadership of Moses. He trained himself to follow God's anointed. And that's one reason, one of the reasons why he was the perfect successor of Moses. And I think this would come naturally for, for Christians when he his or her life is yielded to the Holy Spirit. When you learn how to submit God to God, you would be faithful to whatever authority that God will put over in your life. If you are very critical in the authority that God gives above you, then there's probably something wrong with your submission to God's authority for himself, right? But of course, God is looking for people to use for his service. But first, 
We need to be people of faith. And we need to be people well-trained. And lastly, we need to be people willingly obedient. Obedient to what? Obedient to God's will. Obedient to God's will. And for that, let's turn our Bibles. You're there already, but we'll just read verses 2 to 4. Verse 2, the Bible says, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise. Go over this Jordan, thou and all this people, unto the land which I do give to them, even to the children of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot shall tread upon, that have I given unto you, as I said unto Moses, from the wilderness and this Lebanon, even unto the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, and unto the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your coast. There shall not any man be able to stand before thee all the days of thy life. As I, have, as I was with Moses, so I will be with thee. I will not fail thee, nor forsake thee. Be strong and of a good courage, for unto this people shalt thou divide for an inheritance the land which I, which I swear unto their fathers to give them. Now in verse 6, that's God's will for his people. From the crossing of the, over of the Jordan River to the settlement of all the tribes of Israel, Joshua faithfully obeyed God's will for his people. God's will for his people was to inhabit the land that he promised to his servant Abraham. And for us to be used by God in his service, we need to be people willingly obedient to his will. Now you might ask, what is God's will? Well, of course, God reveals his will, first of all, in the Bible. And I think many Christians don't, don't know God's will because in the first place, they don't read the Bible. No, there's always question mark, what is God's will? And how can we obedient then to God's will if we're not really reading God's word, right? It makes just only sense. And God reveals His will in His word. And that's why not only we need to be people willingly obedient to His will, we need to be people willingly obedient to His word. Just, just makes sense, right? In Joshua uh, chapter 1, if you're still there, verses 7 to 8, the word of God says, Only be strong and very courageous, that thou mayest observe to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, command, commanded thee. Turn not from it to the, to the right hand or to the left, that thou mayest prosper whithersoever thou goest. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein, for then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. Joshua obeyed God's word throughout his life. And that's one of the examples of, uh, of God's will. And God wants us to, to be the people of his word. And that's why I believe that it is important for Christians to memorize scriptures. Memorize the scriptures because, you know, it re really helps you. It, I can certainly testify to that. Because not only it will draw you closer to God, 
but it will also remind you about His promises and to obey His word closely, very closely, because when Satan tempts you, you can just right off the bat counter that with the word of God. So we need to be people willingly obedient, obedient to God's will, to God's word, and lastly here, we need to be obedient to life's end. And for that, let's go to Joshua chapter 24. And I believe for all the rest of the life of Joshua, this is the greatest of the words that he gave to his, to, uh, by himself and uh, to the people of the Lord. Joshua 24, verse 15. The word of God says, And if, and if it seem evil unto you, to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom you, ye will serve, whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the flood, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land ye dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. We will serve the Lord. At the end of, of Joshua's life, he has a resolute decision to obey God for the rest of his life. I know Joshua was not perfect. You can read that. He's not perfect, but throughout his life, he wholly followed God. He wholly followed God. He really did. Many Christians started well, but ended up running away from the Lord. Demas was one of the examples that did not end well. He started good, but did not end well. He was once known as the fellow servant of the Apostle Paul. In fact, the Apostle Paul really you know, mentioned him in one of his letters. He is one of his fellow servants. But near the end of his life, Paul said in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 10, For Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world, and is departed unto Thessalonica. His life was deeply entrenched by the world that he decided to uh, by the, by the world that he decided to abandon serving God oh what a tragedy but you know what it can happen for you and for me but of course many christians were once once faithful in serving god but because they they were too busy now with their lives they stopped serving god I don't know what happened along the way. Before, they're really serving God, but they stopped serving God. And just say, because I always, you know, <laughs> I didn't live longer compared to Pastor White. But, of course, there are Christians that it's sad that they would say, they would just say, God can understand. Well, it's true, God can understand. <laughs> but I'll just leave that to the Lord. It's a sad reality for many Christians that because they're busy, they're now stopped serving the Lord. And in closing, as I said in the beginning, at, at the beginning of this sermon, that our God is always looking. He is always looking for a person whom he can use for his service. And each believer can serve him. Now, there's a poem that I came across as I researching, and the title of this poem is Searching for a Vessel. 
Let me read that to you, this to you. The master was searching for a vessel to use. On the, one, on the shelf, there were many. Which one would he choose? Take me, cried the gold one. I'm shiny and bright. I'm of great value and I do things just right. My beauty and luster will outshine the rest. And for someone like you, master, gold would be the best. Unheeding, the master passed on to the brass. It was wide mouth and shallow and shallow and polished like glass. Here, here, cried the vessel. I know I will do. Place me to your table for all men to view. Look at me, called the coblet of crystal so clear. My transparency shows my co- contents so dear. Through fragile am I, though fragile am I, I will serve you with pride. And I'm sure I'll be happy your house to abide. The master came next to a vessel of wood, polished and curved, and solidly stood. He may use me, uh, you may use me, dear master, the wooden bowl said, but I'd rather you use me for fruit, not for bread. Then the master looked down and saw a vessel of clay, empty and broken, it helplessly lay. No hope had the vessel that the master might choose to cleanse and make whole, to fill and to use. Ah, this is the vessel I've been hoping to find. I will mend and use it and make it all mine. I need not the vessel with pride of itself, nor the one who is narrow to sit on the shelf, nor the one who is big mouth and shallow and loud, nor one who, is dis- his, who displays his content so proud, not the one who thinks he can do all things just right, but this plain earthy vessel filled with power and might. Then gently he lifted the vessel of clay, mended and cleansed it and filled it that day. Spoke it kindly, there's work you must do. Just pour out to others as I pour into you. God used Joshua in a mighty way because he wholly followed him. And do you want to wholly follow the Lord too? Is that your desire of your heart as well? For me, that's my prayer. I will, that I will be able to wholly follow God and that I can be a person that God uses in his service. Joshua did. He, he did it. And I believe you and I can do it too. To be that person God used in his service. You know, there are many ways we can prepare yourselves in serving God. Now, in the area of soul winning, our church, you know, well, of course, a lot of my, a lot of my um, illustrations coming back to the Philippines because a lot of my experience being a pastor is in the Philippines. But, of course, a lot of the churches nowadays don't have a soul winning effort. We are blessed by God here that we are used by God to reach the city of Surrey. Our church has a schedule of Soul Witness University to train 
you on how you can effectively be a soul winner for God. Or even you take course or getting, getting your training in our Bible college in other way, is another way to prepare yourself in serving God. You don't need to go elsewhere to advance your knowledge of God's word and how to serve him because God enabled our church, our church to have a Bible college. And we have a lots of ministries in this church who, who needs workers, who need workers. And you can be part of that too. You can start with those. And so let's ask, so let's ask if you know you are saved, how do you serve God? If you know you are saved t- tonight, how do you serve God? Let me challenge you. Be the person that God uses in his service. Will you say, Lord, here's my life. Use me as you see fit. But help me, Lord, to be a person whom you will use for your service. Help me to be a man or woman of faith. Help me to be a man or woman well trained. Help me to be a man and woman willing to obey you. Will you pray that tonight? Thank you for watching the message today. We invite you to join us again every Sunday and Wednesday for more inspiring messages from God's Word.